I want to start with some football chat, if you'll indulge me. I love football chat. Off you go then. So for those unaware, the FIFA Club World Cup has just begun. It's being played in Saudi Arabia. Basically, it's the World Cup for men's football clubs. So what we saw was Auckland City Footy Club playing the opening match against Al Etihad, a home team. And I just thought it was quite funny. Not funny, ha-ha. Uh, <laughs> funny, interesting. You've got semi-pro players, Auckland City, earning $150 a week. Oh, bless them. Versus a local Saudi team where some of the players are earning $300 million a year. Holy. So we lost. We, we lost. We lost 3-0. Um, <laughs> well, they get a goal for every $100 million they get a year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Talk about an uphill battle. Yeah, not funny, ha-ha, funny, interesting. Mm. Funny, tough. I mean, I hope when they go back to their uh, regular jobs as a plumber and an electrician that they, they enjoy yeah. their time that they spend in Saudi Arabia. I hope they had a nice little holiday. Anyway, before we get to our holidays, we've got about another week or so to get through. So, kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Jess. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. We're speaking with UNICEF about the challenges of providing aid on the ground in Gaza. Why more bright light at night is not a delight for our plants and animals. I had to fight to say that and it was worth every minute of it. <laughs> and it made me giggle. Thank you. Netflix has finally released viewership statistics. So why is that such a big deal? And we're bringing you our own best of 2023 list today. The best world records broken this year. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. The pressure on Israel to halt the assault against Hamas has been upped again with members of the UN voting overwhelmingly for a ceasefire in Gaza. Of the 193 member states, 153 were in support, a big increase on the last time a similar vote was taken in October, an indication of a big shift in global opinion about the conflict. There were a couple of uh, notable exceptions to that ceasefire vote, though the US voted against it while the UK abstained in entirely, but New Zealand was one of those that voted for a ceasefire. So let's get some insight into what things are like on the ground. Alex Murdoch, a UNICEF spokesperson, joins us now from Amman in Jordan. Kia ora. Thank you for having me. What are you hearing from colleagues on the ground in Gaza? The situation in Gaza is beyond crisis point. What's really heartbreaking is that this is a, a conflict that's having a disproportionate impact on children because children make up half of the population in Gaza. There are over a million children currently displaced. That's the entire child population of Gaza. And families are being forced further and further south into tiny, overcrowded areas that don't have any of the basic essentials that they need to survive, such as food and water. There isn't any safe water. So colleagues are telling us that there is a, a real shortage in the water supply. 96% of the water supply in Gaza is not fit for human consumption. So you can imagine that's leaving people with really difficult choices. Um, children are going to start being forced to drink dirty water that's going to make them sick. Um, we're seeing cases in diarrhea rising, cases in disease. And people are telling colleagues that they just feel that every day is utterly, utterly miserable. They can't get enough food. And these are the people that haven't 
necessarily been affected by directly by the fighting, although everybody has to a degree. So Alex, nearly it's nearly 10 weeks since that initial attack on October 7th uh, from Hamas that sparked all this. It's difficult to almost see how anyone survives this. It's it's incredibly difficult and our colleagues on the ground are trying to carry out their work in extremely challenging circumstances. But colleagues are meeting children who have lost limbs children with third degree burns, children who aren't speaking anymore due to the sheer trauma of what they've been through. I mean, children have been through things that no child should ever have to endure. And it's heartbreaking. Um, Parents having to make really difficult choices. And you've got a situation where people, doctors, nurses, our colleagues, are working in conditions to try and provide various services, but they themselves are feeling scared. They are worried about the safety of their family. They haven't had enough food to eat. Alex, what sort of services is UNICEF offering on the ground? And are there limits to the help that UNICEF can offer given this fighting that's going on? So our critical focus is on children. We're providing water trucking, we're distributing bottled water, we're providing things like chlorine tablets to ensure that water is clean. We're providing blankets because it's becoming very cold now in Gaza and lots of people are sleeping outside on the streets. We are providing things like high energy biscuits to children and to pregnant women as well and vitamins. So we're trying to sort of stave off malnutrition. The access is very difficult. The conditions to deliver humanitarian aid at the moment are not being met. And that means we're limited at the moment in what we can do. So for the past four, five, six days, we've only been able to access the Rafa governorate along with many other humanitarian agencies. But just to put into context, this is a fraction of what is needed because before this conflict, 500 trucks were crossing over into Gaza every single day with needs. 80% of the population were reliant on humanitarian aid even before this crisis and now needs have expanded even more and the access is less. Alex, we've seen the call for a ceasefire from the UN yesterday and other nations are putting out joint statements demanding an end to the conflict. How important is that to turn those words into action? The only way that we will be able to stop more children from dying, stop more people from dying and manage safe, unimpeded, ongoing access is for a a ceasefire to take place. Alex Murdoch from UNICEF, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you for having me. It is Is It Cake Time of the week, and we're shaking a few things up around here. So if you want to play along, if you want to have a shot at guessing which headline is real and which one is fake, it's my turn this week, so it's going to be as tough as it gets. You will need to head to the Stuff Instagram, which is at NZ Stuff. That is where you'll find a video of me reading out the two headlines, and then you can vote on the poll on Instagram stories. So artificial light is on the increase around the country and experts are concerned about its impacts on our plants and animals. Although the majority of New Zealand, and I'm talking a massive majority, like 95%, has no direct artificial light, the areas where there is artificial light have seen a nearly 40% increase between 2012 and 2021. So, why is this an issue worth talking about? Well, to tell us, we're joined by Alan Seerad, one of the lead authors of a report looking into this. Kia ora, welcome. Kia ora, thanks for having me. So, we've said 
artificial light so many times already. Maybe we should <laughs> define it. What are the sources of artificial light that are causing this problem? It's basically anything that is not a natural light like the moon or the stars. Um, so it can be street lights. It can be lights from industrial areas, from houses, security lights on, on car parks and all sorts of things. And what happens to our plants and animals when that happens? Plants and animals around us, and including ourselves, actually, we rely on the really predictable rhythm of dark and light. And that's the way that we've evolved. So by having this light disrupting that really predictable rhythm, it's sort of messing around with the behavior and the physical properties and the way that animals and plants behave. And so that can be just changing uh, the timing of things. So, for example, bats, there's been a recent study here in New Zealand, bats don't come out of their roosts for two hours later than they normally would if there wasn't any light. So if, if there is light, they just delay coming out and doing the things they would normally do two hours later, which totally changes their time budget, What the, you know, the time that's left in the night. Normally, they the time that they go out to feed would coincide with the peak in insects. So if they're two hours later, they might miss the big buffet that they would normally feast on, or they, they would end up feeding on different things. So what are the long-term threats we could be looking at if nothing changes in terms of the way we use light at night? Well, that's the really good question. And so this research paper that Bridget Farnworth and I put together was looking at not only uh, analysing the trends in light at night over time, like you alluded to, but also compiling all that we know. And it turns out that there's a little bit of work done on it, but nothing is looking at those long-term impacts. All of the studies have looked so far at changes in behaviour and in identifying things like that. Also activity and movement, how that changes, but none of the studies so far in New Zealand have looked at long-term impacts. If behaviour changes, is reproduction also change? And does that mean that populations don't grow as fast or don't are not able to sustain themselves? And so for New Zealand species, we don't don't really know properly yet. So our nights are getting brighter. What is the solution to that? The, the most realistic solution, I guess. Well, this is the great thing I think about light at night. Um, in a way, you're going to say there's a switch. Well, yes, exactly. There is a switch. Yeah, and and previously I've worked on on, on issues like a land cover change and climate change, and and all of those do have solutions, but these are these are much trickier. And so for light, we actually have a lot of the solutions. There is an off switch, right? And if we switch it off, it's dark straight away. It's not like the light lingers like pollutants might, chemical pollutants might in rivers or land. And and so when we're designing public lighting or commercial lighting, we really need to think about lighting only those places that where people use those spaces, where people can use the light. It's, it's made for people, right? So we don't need to shine it into the sky. We need to shield the lights. We don't need to have it brighter than is useful for us. And one big thing that is really um, shown overseas in particular, and it's likely to also be the case in New Zealand, is that if we have more yellow light, more amber light that really um, has a lower impact on the environment. There you have it. Turn your lights off so the bats can get to the buffet. <laughs> Alan Sirad, thank you very much for explaining all of that to us. And you are right, it's not something that we've probably all thought of before, so really appreciate it. Thank you.
Coming up, we're talking about the best records of 2023. A look at the weird and wacky things that have made their way into the record books over the last 12 months, including one involving tablespoons. I think you might want to try it home. <laughs> I promise that's not as rude as it sounds. Um, anyway, let's move on quickly. <laughs> Remember, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. Netflix has released the viewing stats for its TV shows and its movies for the first time ever. Ever. The streaming giant has until now kept the audience numbers for its TV shows a closely guarded secret, but it's now promised to update its viewing stats every six months with these latest numbers relating to the first half of 2023. So, what was the most watched show for the first half of this year, I hear you ask? The Night Agent. Not the greatest TV show, but one I definitely devoured. Here to chat over those numbers and what we can learn from them is Staff's reviewer-in-chief, James Crute, and friend of Newsable, of course. <laughs> He's never off. <laughs> James, why now? Why has Netflix decided to spill the beans when they've previously kept them so tightly to their chest? I think it's possibly because they've started losing a bit of ground. Mm. Uh, I think competition is hotting up. Showtime, I think, has just become part of Paramount over in the States. One huge bugbear of which is the fact that we can't get Paramount Plus here, even though they have an office in Australia that claims to be Australia and New Zealand. It's the Mm. weirdest thing out. Cheeky, cheeky. HBO Max, or Max as it's now known, are obviously ramping up, and you know we're still to wait to see what's happening there. So I think it's what's happening in America in particular. You notice that it's only global figures they're giving, not anything localised, which mm. is what we're sort of used to. We occasionally get tidbits about what the top ten are in New Zealand. I mean, if you look on the website, they'll they'll tell you sort of day by day. But I think the one thing we can take from this is that the top show had a Kiwi in it. Lucia <laughs> Buchanan. Look, you know, she's she's the star of the biggest television show on Netflix for the first half of the year. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the lineup kind of probably reflects, I hate to almost say it, but, you know, the, the fact that we love action right. shows. Yeah. I think if you asked Prime Video what their biggest show of the past year, they'll tell you it's Reacher, which is a similar kind of thing. Better made, but um, similar kind of story. Is there any um, any clear difference between Netflix originals and, say, reruns as well? I'm thinking like Friends or Suits. I mean, there are some shows that we've had on Netflix much longer than they have in the States. Right. So, right. you know, there are complicated rights deals all around the world. Mm. Um, you know, there are, there are a number of shows that we can't watch that drive me up the wall. Anyone who loves The Good Wife or The Good Fight... You can't watch them. There's in nowhere. nowhere. It's nowhere. It's, it's the most frustrating thing. Absolutely madness. Look, it'll be interesting to see. Um, obviously, we're six months behind, but it'll be interesting to see what the the big shows of 2024 are. There's the three body problem, which I know is highly anticipated, and I've just seen in the last 24 hours that there's a new version of Ripley starring the hot priest, <gasps> Patricia Highsmiths. Thomas Ripley, of course, played by Matt Damon and John Malkovich and mm. a number of different actors over the year. And Andrew Scott is the latest character to play, which I think is very, very good casting. James Crote, chatting film and telly with you is like those friendships where you don't see each other for a wee while and then it's like there's been no time at all. Thank you, as always. No worries. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. 
Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You'll also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so there is a reason we've decided to talk about our favourite world records of 2023. I promise I'm not just waking up and deciding this is what we're talking about because I want to talk about it. It's literally what you do every morning before we do this podcast. (laughs) I realised that when I said it out loud. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Headline alert. Iranian man breaks his own record with 88 spoons balanced on his body. Oh, my gosh. I think own record is almost like the the underrated (laughs) part of that sentence. This is like his Sistine Chapel. This is what... his life's work. So Abul Fazl Saber Mokhtari balanced 88 spoons in various locations on his body before your mind goes anywhere. <laughs> Most of these spoons are concentrated around his shoulders. It's like he's wearing like a piece of armour on his shoulders. Spoon armour, mind. Um, previously, he'd only been able to have 85 of those spoons surrounding his body. Hats off to you, Abul Fuzzle. Right, now though, I want to tell you about my personal favourite because it always amazes me that you can literally, you can turn up and get a record for anything these days. It just needs to be creative Mm. enough. That's really the only rule. This is one that was broken this year. World's largest aloha shirt. (laughs) Oh no. That's that's literally someone just getting some Hawaiian patterns, getting a sewing machine and making a Hawaiian shirt and now they get a plaque. Unbelievable. It's actually just ridiculous. Another classic that I spotted, fastest average time to solve a Rubik's Cube while blindfolded. 15.24 15.24 seconds, for those of you wondering, is the time to be. God, that is incredible. Yeah. That's much, much more impressive. How about this one? Most lit candles in a mouth. David Rush of the USA owns that title. <laughs> like fitting candles in your mouth and sticking spoons on your body. Like, how did you discover that was a talent of yours? Anyway, uh, this is a 2023 clanger as well. Highest backflip done on a pogo stick. Oh, that's so dangerous. It, well, it's just, it's like, where does it end? The wackies, you just, it's just wackier. Everything is like, it's like someone's like, what's the wackiest thing I can do? And just save us from all going on and on about this and finding even more wackier things. I'm going to call it here before I I die of crying with laughter. Uh, That (laughs) is Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. I'm Jessica McCarthy. Good luck with the spoons. (laughs) Remember, 88 is the number to beat. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz slash support. Hey, Chris. Yes. Do you want another very broad question? I've got a very broad question today. Go on, then. What do you know about sports? Up the wires, go the Black Caps, and don't forget Premier League football. Oh, you do love a bit of Premier League footage, do. don't you? What team is it that you support again? Oh, the current champions, Manchester City. I think they're pronounced Arsenal. It's pronounced Arsenal. Uh, but you know what's good about football? It what? They don't regulate soccer. I'm sorry? There's a sport that regulates sock height? Indeed there is, and it's cycling. That's very strange. Why on earth do they regulate it? Well, I know, but if you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the Big Stuff Quiz, wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) Oh, that's a cliffhanger indeed. The Big Stuff Quiz is brought to you by Melbourne Every Bit Different.